The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that rave line. Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is going to do the same thing again year after year. Oh, no. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Random Troy Radio. This is the CarCast after USC's 30 to 27. Lo- Wait, hold on. Hold on. Oh, oh, oh. Just got word. SC pulled out another. Uh, come from behind win against a team from Arizona in a game that they should have never trailed because they left points on the board in the second half. Got it. Okay, that's what this is. Car cast of USC's 34-30 win over Arizona to keep USC to a perfect, yet far from perfect, 2-0 record. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us. On Apple Podcasts, our email address is rainoftroyfansider.com, and our phone number is 213-373-1USC, Suck It, What's Burn Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along here in the Rain of Troy studio. We did not make the trip to Tucson. Uh, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. Last week, I think everyone looked forward, uh, was looking forward to the car cast expecting... Mount Alicia to erupt, and Mount Alicia and Mount Michael did not erupt. Uh, both of us were just like uh, shruggy, <laughs> yeah, to, to say the shruggy slash exhausted to say the least. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think also we expected that game to potentially be a little bit of a, a weird one, a little bit of a tight one. It was the opening game. ASU was the dark horse in the South. Uh, USC didn't play well, but USC doesn't tend to start the season very strong. So it just it just you know felt like one of those games. USC had four turnovers. Blah 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 blah. This week, USC goes in against an Arizona team that I will maintain is not very good, and does this. So if y'all were a little bit uh, disappointed by. The lack of of ranting that happened last week, 
stick around for this episode because I have some things to say. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Sign us up. Sign us up. Uh, what What is there to say? SC wins a game in which uh, Keaton Slovis once again uh, looks brilliant. So I think 13 to 14 on the last two drives of the game. Two touchdown drives in which SC moved the ball effortlessly. Um, but, of course, it was a game in which SC trailed on those two drives. Um, be, why? <laughs> why, you ask? Because 14 points were completely left on the board in the third quarter. The third quarter, um, you know, the, the, where do I begin? The third quarter is one of those quarters where we talk about this team all the time, that they struggle the most. And yet you can make an argument that outside of when SC had the ball inside the five, it could have been SC's best quarter of the game. Right, but... Why in this game? Because they were able to run the ball... Uh, at a 9.3-yard clip with, with Marquis Stepp and Marquis, uh, uh, Stephen Carr to get inside the five, back-to-back drives, and then completely just back away from the ball and decide, you know what, we're not going to score. I mean, that's that's the thing is, weirdly, USC needed those running backs to finish off those those long runs with touchdowns because the fact that they didn't the fact that Amon Ross St. Brown made a brilliant catch to put put USC uh, up into up into the red zone on one at one point. The fact that Drake London made a um, an amazing third and long uh, attempt at a conversion, getting it down into fourth and one territory. All of the great plays that USC had in this game were sort of between midfield and 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 the ten yard line. And then as soon as they got down there at the goal line, it was just trash it was it was just not good in in any way the 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 discipline was bad the execution was bad uh the the play calling was questionable uh, it was just it didn't look it didn't look right and and it squandered i mean again usc is in a position where they they put up 498 yards of total offense and yet they are completely hapless when it comes to you know doing anything with those yards our our buddy trent uh, was calling it um, empty calories, that this offense is empty calories. And through two weeks, that's exactly what it looks like. But, see, the the frustrating thing for me is that you look at it and two drives, really okay, three drives, uh, that SC got the ball inside the 10 uh, and had to settle for three points. Three of a possible 21 points mm-hmm. in the third quarter. Three. That's 18 points. Right, but you are field. what your score is. So no, like you 100%. don't get to get credit no, when you No, I'm I'm not giving you, you SC credit one, for this. One red zone right. fail I uh, you call yes, it just luck. I'm not giving SC credit for okay. this. What I'm saying is if you finish off your drives, you finish off those three drives, you get the points even if you Okay, one field goal. You finish off the 14 points on the step drive and the car drive that you should have had. You end up winning this game by a couple of touchdowns. You end up covering. Uh, Bill Connolly had the spread at 17.3, according to his numbers, SC winning 42-24. to That would have basically been the score of the game if you finish off those drives. Yeah, even if you have to take— SC was right there. Score the field goal that you miss, and then get the uh, get get the touchdowns that are there on the, on the table, and— and you're fine. But again, this is why we're going to continue to have these conversations about what is the problem. USC's defense was not great for long stretches of this game. I thought they got much better in the second half. 
when Talano Hafanga and Drake London, uh, Drake Jackson came back uh, onto the field. So they at least get to say that they were playing without some of their best players in the, in the first half. But the defense wasn't promising. It wasn't good. It was frustrating in all the same ways that USC's defense has been frustrating over the last few years. But again, but again, the offense has to start putting teams away because they have to be the strength of this team, especially when your defense is without Caleb Tremblay, a starting defensive lineman, and without Brandon Peely and Talano Hufanga and Drake Jackson go off uh, on the first drive, and then Paliina Teote comes out as well uh, in the course of the game. So, like, the defense was sort of being held together by by string and tape, and I'm not pleased with their performance, but I understand why it looked the way it looks. The the offense, I just, I don't get it. I, it it's... There's no excuse It's for the a waste. Offense, right? The offense is being wasted. The defense is going through some growing pains. The defense is, is, is below what it should be. But the offense is absolutely wasting the wealth of talent that's there on the field for them. And it's so frustrating to watch because they're so much better than that. I've, I've explained this, this analogy in the past where, you know, I have four brothers and, uh, you know, a, a couple of them weren't the greatest students in, in school and a couple of us were much better students in in school, uh, and I always got frustrated when I was a, when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, because I would bring home a B, and the question would be, well, why isn't this an A? And my brothers would bring home a C, and my parents would be like, oh, good job, we're proud of you, and I'd be like, well, what what the hell? Like that's not that's not fair. Well, now that I'm an adult, I understand they were asking for more of me because they knew that I could deliver more. I was the kind of student who should have been an A student and and they were demanding that they were asking that of me in the right because that is what I was capable of. Where a couple of my brothers their their skills are in other ways. Their you know their skills are in in their, the, in their the arts. Their skills are in other ways. What an ethereen of your brother. Well, Jeez. No, like Take like it easy one, on one, the, one of my brothers They're nice people. One, no, my brothers are great, but one of my brothers that I'm thinking of particular He's an, a brilliant artist. He he visually he understands things that I am not capable of even of even comprehending. He sees the world differently than I do. He was never a good student, but he, he but he outworks me on the uh, in terms of the, of the artistic side of things. I was a better student than him, but when I underachieved in the classroom, like my parents called me out for it because I was capable of the A. And they understood that. And my brother, they understood he wasn't capable of the A. Like on a good day, he was capable of the B. And they understood that. Well, that's the way that I view USC's offense and USC's defense. I understand where USC's defense is coming from. I think that I I want them to get the B, but they brought home a C. And you know what? That's going to have to be good enough. They They can strive for the B later on. USC's offense is bringing home C's every week. And they're an A student. They're they're a valedictorian level student. They're somebody who should be at the top of the class, and they're not. And it's so very frustrating to watch it. Yeah, I, I don't know that I'm going to completely give the, the defense uh, the the pass to to bring home C's every week. But uh, where where I'm with you is that the the defense got gashed early on. Grant Cannell scrambling. Uh, and then I thought they made valiant adjustments in the second half. Uh, you look in the second half, and Arizona came out and they punted three times in the third quarter. 
Uh, SC really only gets beat over the top on that one play. You take away the the long seventy five yard touchdown. Arizona gained like twenty yards in the second in the the third quarter, while SC was getting all the way down to the goal line on every drive. Like that's what you wanted, and that in should have been the quarter to completely take control of this game and never look back. And what happens? Uh, they give the the defense gives up the 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 one play score. <laughs> and then SC cannot, for the life of them, get into the end zone. Uh, and yet again, it's a ton of miscues. And and I give SC credit here. They, they actually, I thought, made it interesting in how they uh, completed these miscues because it was a wide range of miscues. It wasn't just fourth down mistakes. No, there were penalties. Uh, there were um, setbacks in a bunch of different ways. Like, uh, the the field goal. The field goal, I think they go for it on fourth down, fourth and one, but yet there's a delay of game. Then there's a false start. That pushes the field goal back for Parker Lewis, and he misses it. A field goal he probably shouldn't have taken because they would have gone for it on fourth and one at the goal line. Uh, what happens on the next drive? It's fourth and, fourth and one at, like, the four, right? And we've talked about it all, all week. Uh, I talked about it on Twitter all game on, on the Rain of Troy account. SC has so much success running the ball outside. They can't run up the ball the, the ball up the middle unless it's like a draw. And a draw is going to catch the defense out um, on you know with their timing. If you're going to run up the middle, do that. Have something that's going to screw up the defense. You cannot just have Keaton Slovis turn around and hand the ball right up the middle out of the shotgun because it's, it will go nowhere. We all know this. And I, I've talked about it before. I don't think the problem is running the ball out of the shotgun on fourth down. I think it's the runs that USC calls on fourth down out of the shotgun, the up-the-middle stuff. You can't go there. If you're going to be in the shotgun on fourth down, go off tackle. Uh, throw a little, a little slant. Do something. Be creative. Find a way to get the ball across the line to gain a yard. Play there's, action a million, to, there's a million different ways to do it. Play action to the tight end. Play there, action at all. Like, anything. Anything. And no, it's Keaton Slovis, and he's just going to turn around and hand off to um, Marquis Stepp, and he's going to get tackled. And I think the, the best part of this for me is I'm sitting there watching the game, and you are yelling at the TV, don't run it up the middle. Don't run it up the middle. Don't run it up the middle. Don't! Oh my God! They ran it up the middle. Yeah. Like literally, we and everybody, everyone at home listening to this was doing the same thing. Yeah. Because you you could see it. It was telegraphed. You knew they were going to go up the middle, and they wouldn't have got it. And, and, step- and the frustrating part is, if they go off tackle, if they throw a little slant to Amon Ra or to Tyler Vaughn's, the odds of them converting that ten times higher. Ten times. Yes. At least. And it didn't matter if it was Step or Carr or Vi. Either one, like they were getting blown up in the backfield when they were getting blown up, and and Step to his credit powered through for a touchdown, and I think he also converted a, a third and short, or or a fourth and short at some point. I don't I don't remember which, where he just basically had to run run through somebody. Like, and he, that's not that's not a, a plan. That's that's not the, you know. That was one of the frustrations yeah. that we had with like the YOLO raid or, or some other, um, you know, when when JT Daniels was the quarterback at USC, too often the plan, quote unquote, was 
throw the ball up for somebody and see if they can make a play. Like, that's not a plan. You, you can't make it harder on your players, and SC is constantly doing that. Yes. Especially with these runs up the middle, because the offensive line cannot be trusted to run block there. If that's not their forte, that's not their forte, fine. Cut bait and try to do something a different way. Well, and that, and this is... I, I've sort of come to the realization that this is USC's problem. I don't think USC can recognize when they're bad at something. I think USC has this weird arrogance on the coaching staff and on the team where they think that they're better than the other team in every other position, and so they game plan without taking their deficiencies into account. Where a savvier coaching staff would sit back and say, you know what, our interior line cannot be trusted. The only offensive lineman that we can truly trust is Elijah Ver Tucker. So we're not even going to ask much of those guys. When we ask them to do something, it's going to be as simple as possible. And we're going to run off tackle more often because the center and the guards are getting blown up on every play. Or we're going to do more extended handoffs. Or we're going to do uh, RPOs where the where the where the pass option is a quick slant or or something like that. Like whatever it is, recognize that you cannot run inside because your centers and your guards are subpar. Acknowledge that. That you, but if you can't acknowledge that, if 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 USC is sitting there in the delusion that they're fine on that interior line. Or, for instance, on defense, that they're fine at linebacker, then they're going to continue to bang their head against the same damn brick wall and then be shocked when it turns out that they got blood running all over their face in a concussion. Like, this, you're doing this yourselves, USC. Acknowledge your faults and work around them. No. No. Bad USC. No. Because isn't that what the air raid's supposed to do? Yeah, the, like, the, it, the air raid is supposed to take what the defense is giving you, and right? And the air raid is supposed to mitigate some poor offensive line play. It's supposed play. to be path of least resistance. Yes. And, and that's not what, what's happening. And, and and that's why, like, you know, I watched this game, and Joel Klatt is is there, and Gus Johnson is there, and and, and even Urban Meyer at halftime saying that SE, the, the reason that they're, they're not better than they are is because they can't run power between the tackles and all this stuff. And I get that. And I, I don't disagree with that at all, except they're talking about the how stubborn Graham Harrell is and that Graham Harrell says, but that's not our offense. And I get that too, and I don't disagree with that. And to me, it's like there's a clear middle ground here. Yes, SC should be able to run uh, in short yardage and be able to, to, to push people back at will because they should have the talent to be able to pull that off, but they don't. Okay, well, then they they're going to be in shotgun. Because the the offense dictates that, okay. Well, then draw up something else. Like if you if you you need to recognize your mistake where you're not good at and recognize what you're good at. And yeah. like, like you said, I, I think that SC struggles in recognizing those things because you can be on the shotgun. I don't care. Find a way to get it done. Running under center isn't going to be any better when your center really and your guards are getting blown up on every play. Like, that's that, the, that's the crux right. of the matter. Right. Going under center doesn't magically make your center and your guards any better. No, but but at the same point, like, I, I, again, find a way to fix the solution with what you have. Yeah. And, and it seems like everyone is completely stubborn in not being able to do that. Well, last year, USC had problems on short yardage in the red zone. Like, so clearly they didn't fix any of that. You, you Clearly they didn't look at it and say, this is something that maybe we need to change the way right. we do things. Get, get the get the H-backs involved. Get, get the tight ends involved, yeah. right? Uh, 
look at this, the the drive, the penultimate drive for USC, right? Gets finished off with the pass to Eric Cromenhoek. No one expected a pass to Eric Cromenhoek. Yeah. He catches it. It's a touchdown. It's a fantastic uh, play call for SC. I thought the two the two touchdowns were great great play calls. Yeah. You 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 put Eric Cromenhoek um, as the focus of this offense uh, when the defense wouldn't expect it. You hand off on that final play to score the touchdown when Arizona really had no defense for the run because they have to play against the pass. Uh, it's the final minute. Also, you have plenty of time with timeouts. Like, though, those were two great play calls. And yet you look at what they do on fourth down, and it's like, why is there this flexibility to be able to use your talent, um, uh, th- your wide range of talent? Because that's the thing about SC's offense. There's a million pieces. This is why we get tweets about, why isn't Marquis Step on the field every down? Well, because they're Stephen Carr. Because there's Vi Malapai, right? Because there's Keenan Kristen. Um, why isn't Bruce McCoy out there in every drive? Well, because there's Eric Cromenhoek. And because there's all these guys who need to get reps at some point, then get them in the game, get them involved. They all bring something different to the table. That is a luxury that SC needs to rely on, rather than trying to be something that they aren't, which is a team that can run the ball up the middle on fourth and one. That's not who this team is, so don't try to be that team. And if you are going to try to be that team and you get stuffed in the backfield, then you deserve everything that you get, you which is leaving seven and 14 points on the on the, the field just like you did last week. Same thing. You know what You know what it is? So I just did 23andMe, and on 23andMe, they— Did you leave 23 points on the field? <laughs> no. No, on 23andMe, they have like some of these like uh, genetic traits and all that kind of stuff. And one of the most um, crushing genetic traits that they they talk about is uh, is like your propensity for being an elite power athlete. And my my result on that was not very likely. Uh, and so, like, that tells me everything I need to know about whether or not I should pursue a career in being an elite power athlete, for instance. So. I obviously should use my talents in other ways, like not trying to, you know, be a an Olympic lifter or some such uh, out here at, at any time in my life. I want USC to just recognize that about themselves. Like, you are not an elite power run team. You can say you want to be an elite power run team, but guess what? You're not. So stop trying to act like you are because it's not doing you any good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, why was or, why was Oregon why was Oregon during the the height of the Chip Kelly era able to have a great run attack when their offensive linemen were undersized the entire way through? Because they ran at the right moments, they had the right scheme, the 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 right uh, run blocking scheme because they set the defense up in the right way. Like there is more to it than just it's fourth and short. We are USC, therefore we must run straight at the defense and prove we are tougher. Like get out of here. Uh, And we will get out of here with a short break and come right back and talk about the rest of (laughs) this wild, weird, whatever that was uh, that SC played in Tucson. 34-30 is the win. We'll be right back on this carcass. Alicia, I want to get into some of the talking points that we talked about out of last week's game 
and how they compare to this one. One of the ones that we talked about was, well, this team just looks the same. They look the same uh, as they did last week, uh, last year, um, the year before last, and all this stuff, that all the same issues are cropping up. And we talked about how that is extremely frustrating from a USC perspective, obviously, right? And and at the same point, we looked at it and we said, okay, um, but it's week one, and teams are shaking in week one, uh, Clay Helton teams especially. Uh, it's a, the COVID season in which uh, preparation is not what it used to be, all those kind of things. It was a 9 a.m. game last week against a good team, against a well-coached team and all this kind of stuff, and you put that all together, and it would be understandable to have mistakes. As many mis- as mistakes as they had, probably not, but you can understand that if there was going to be a game, it would be week one. That's what we said last week. And we also said that SD pulled it out when they needed to be, and if you if, if you couldn't enjoy a, a miracle win at the same time while being frustrated also, uh, then, then why are you a fan kind of thing? Those are the things we talked about, right? Here we are. It's another week, um, and I'd like to say that I think we can debunk week one jitters, correct? Yes, absolutely. Can, can we debunk the, the 9 a.m. thing? Yes, absolutely. Can, can we? Except for maybe, you know, maybe the first week one jitters were the ball security issues. But sure. clearly the ball security issues weren't the heart of the problem because the problem is still there. Yeah. They were still unable to finish off drives because of penalties, uh, miscues, and because of poor play calling in key situations, right? Mm-hmm. And poor execution, all those things. Um, and yet, SC wins a, a comeback. Um, not nearly as much of a miracle as it was last week, but it's still a comeback in which Keenan Slovis looks really good in the fourth quarter, despite... Having this wobbly ball for most of the game, despite all the struggles, SC finds a way to get the win. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, based on last week, we talked about how that if you can't celebrate this win, uh, how are you a fan kind of thing? And how does that compare to this week? I, I, I think it's the same, but it's not. Like, it's really not. Because this was the game in which, you know, we, we talked about how SC had all those those um, those drives inside the 25 last week, and if they would have scored on those things, that they got in a situation they never should have been in, uh, and they pulled themselves out of it. It to me the the difference here is this this win the SC had didn't require any miracles. Um, they had the ball with 90 95 seconds, three timeouts. Uh, and Keaton Slovis, the quarterback, against an Arizona defense. They always should have got the points on that dr- at the end. I, I kind well, of thought. Well, I mean, I tweeted as soon as Arizona scored, they scored too early. Right. USC's going to drive down the field here and score. Yeah. And and so I look at this and I think that if you're a USC fan, you can look at this and be like, man, once again, I can feel good about all the players USC has. Once again, I can feel confident about having Keaton Slovis because you know that when push comes to shove, he's going to get it done, even with his ball that is not as crisp as it used to be, right? Despite all those things, you have those playmakers that are going to bail you out. But then again, you couple that with, this was a game that never should have been like this in the first place. 
And if it's going to be that wacky, it needs to be dumb and entertaining. This game was not dumb and entertaining. It was. It the wasn't ASU a- game was dumb and entertaining because it was a tip drill, it was an onside kick recovery, and it was an insane catch by Drake London. Yeah. This game, and this was not, just not to, dumb. Not to discredit by Malapai, but it's touched at the end, not nearly as dramatic as last week. <laughs> no. So, I, I'm. I'm sitting here and I like I don't know how you can be an SC fan and feel anything but like sigh after that game. Well, it, it's, it's like a it's a sigh of of something, but I don't think it's a sigh of relief. No, you know what I mean. No, there should be no relief about this because this is the, the, the this is USC proving what we all feared from the get go. They they had a little bit. Of of potential excuses that they could have made in in week one, but it's not just that like it was the same game. It was the same game against a worse opponent, you know. And and USC can have these road troubles all they want, but that doesn't mean we should accept those road troubles. USC should be able to go to Arizona and blast this Arizona team, utterly blast them, yeah. because there is no there, there is no sign. And, and and again, I like this is where I'll just stand in here. It was so close to being that. They well, have those, those, those drives in the third quarter. If they finish off those drives, but they SC didn't. goes up two scores. The will of Arizona is killed off. SC is able to just ride off into the sunset, but they didn't. cover the spread, but they didn't. But they didn't. Because they can't. Because they can't. Because this is who they are. And, that I mean, that every, every pretzeling that USC could do to explain this away, it doesn't work this time around because the excuses, because we have last week and because last week was a mirror of, of so many other things from last year, if if USC's defense is this bad uh, because they are, not that I think, you know, well, yeah, they're, they're, USC's defense should be better than this. They have better talent than what they're showing right now. It's very frustrating to watch the, the, the USC defense. USC's defense, if they're going to say they're bad because it's the early days of the Todd Orlando era, well, then why is it that Paul Rhodes is able to come in with a fat, far, 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 far worse Arizona defensive staff and, and uh, uh, team and roster that lost their two best players on defense and come in and hold USC the way that they did for most of this game? Why is that the case if, if, if USC's defense wants to get a a, a, a pass here? And, and USC's, USC's offense, this is year two. This is your these kinds of mistakes that you're making in these first two weeks. You can get away with them last year by saying, you know what, first year under Graham Harrell, still working out the Kings, blah 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 blah. No, you had a year to work things, work out the Kings. You ha- you have players who are used to being in this system. You have players who are experienced and ready to go, and you're not throwing a lot of freshmen in there, and and you're not asking them to do a do a lot for you. The only freshman that I think USC is asking too much of right now is Jude Wolf. And quite frankly, it's not Jude Wolf necessarily. This is the same problem we've seen with USC's tight ends going back a couple of years where no one is successful as a USC tight end because they're they're hung out to dry on a on a play-by-play basis. So, you know, there there's no there're no excuses here. You can't blame the oh, well we just fumbled the ball away a bunch of times. Well, no, because you didn't this time, and you still ended up in the same situation that you were in last time. You still got into the red zone and couldn't convert. You still ended up in in short yarded situations and couldn't convert. You still had a quarterback with a shaky with a shaky arm 
and a wobbly ball that they're trying to act like is not a problem. Well, guess what? It was a problem for most of the game. It was the wind. There was wind. It it wasn't that windy for Grant Cannell. To be fair, I mean, I feel like Grant Cannell didn't really throw the ball as much as I expected. No, that's I mean, that's true because he got to take off half the time, but. But the, the the fact of the matter is, fine, if it's windy out there, then why are you having Keaton Slovis throw the ball 43 times? And again, there's an answer to all of these things, and, and USC comes up short in all of them. So th- there, there's got to be a, a solution at some point, but again, that would require USC to acknowledge their deficiencies. It would require USC to acknowledge that maybe Keaton Slovis isn't 100%. And doesn't have the arm to do the the things that they wanted him that they've wanted him to do. So maybe they'll have to scale back this offense to benefit him a little bit. Maybe they have to acknowledge they can't run the ball straight up the gut because they don't have an offensive line that's capable of it. Maybe they need to understand that they don't have an offensive line that can block consistently enough for Keaton Slovis to let him drop back and scan the field. Maybe they got to start getting the ball out more quickly. Maybe they have to go up tempo. Maybe that's the solution. Maybe it's if they can't get into a rhythm, maybe they have to acknowledge they can't get into a rhythm and say, fine, we're going to go no huddle tempo and see what defenses do then. There are a thousand different things that USC could try here, but it would require USC to sit back and be self-critical and understand where they're going wrong. But that is not what USC does. That's not what this staff does. And quite frankly, I mean, we've all been sick of it for a few years now, but I'm especially sick of it now because it's another season that we're, you know, good on USC for being 2-0, and but it's not going to make a difference. This is Their luck is going to run out eventually. We're looking down the, down the field and, hey, we haven't seen what Utah could be, but... Who knows, if USC can struggle to beat Arizona, they could certainly lose to, to a Utah team that is replacing everybody and their mother. Uh, if USC is, is struggling with the Arizona team that is... Hey, cl- Carl Durrell licking his chops right now. I was going to say, Arizona is probably the worst team on USC's schedule, and USC struggled to beat them. Colorado is 2-0, and and looking pretty good at that. We're going to find out if they're real, but they're looking good. And Mel Tucker's staff is still there, and we saw what they were able to do to USC last year, and they look like they've got a quarterback. Well, don't look now, but Washington State has a quarterback, too, and they're looking pretty good. As we speak, they're challenging Oregon. They're up 16-7. So, to 7. so the only team that USC can look ahead to and not be super worried about is UCLA, and that's because UCLA is utter and complete trash. But I don't know, maybe they'll play Cal and look okay on Sunday. Whatever it, whatever it is, I'm now looking at the next three games for USC and thinking, well, they're going to have to, uh, I don't know, pull out some more miracle comebacks against Utah and Colorado and Washington State in order to stay undefeated in the in the season, it ain't gonna Pessimistic happen. Pessimistic Alicia is out in full force. I mean, two weeks ago, we were talking about, legitimately talking about, what was USC's road to the playoff? USC is 2-0. and And if you had told me after two weeks, Alicia, USC is going to be 2-0, and but you're going to sit there and say there is zero chance that USC gets to the playoff, I would have said, well, that seems unfair. Well, guess what? There's zero chance that USC gets to the playoff. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. Even you if, kidding me? Even if USC goes undefeated. Even if USC goes undefeated. If they continue on this way, if something doesn't drastically change, then forget any aspirations that USC has of, of, of taking a step up and turning a corner or anything like that. Like, that's where we're at. And I don't want to have the Clay Helton conversation, but we got to start having the Clay Helton conversation because the Groundhog's Day is here and it's here and it's here and it's here and it's there and it's there and it's there and it's there. And, it's there. and we've, we've watched this before. We've seen this play before. Well, you know what? I... Pff- I hope to God, I hope to God that Mike Bone is watching this games, these games and understanding why everyone is so pissed off because 
There is nothing about these two performances that should make you think that USC is being led by the right people. That's my rant. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry, but I I didn't really give you a chance to talk there. No, I was letting you go. I was letting okay. you go. So about the wind. What do you think about the wind that now infected Keaton Slovis' ball? The wind... <laughs> It wasn't the wind. Where was the wind on the last drive then? Because it sure, sure wasn't being a problem for him then. My suspicion is well, that Keaton- he's fourth quarter Keaton. He, he like does a cheat code or something. No, at, at the start of the fourth, William Tell plays, and then he's like cheat code enabled, clear the mechanism. <laughs> and then boom, he becomes fourth quarter Keaton. That ball just is like wind non aided. It's just it's brilliant. My, to that my suspicion is that Keaton Slovis is being negatively impacted psychologically and physically by the piss poor performance of the offensive line in front of him because what's the difference in those last couple of drives that that, that Keaton Slovis has performed so well this season nobody's in his face because the defense is sitting back and he's able to sit back there and scan the field and make his throws step up into his throws but you know for three quarters of the game uh, you know, the offensive line is letting men through like it's for fun. I mean, I'm sitting here going, okay, so maybe it's not a personnel issue with Brett Nealon because guess what? Justin Dietrich is getting mauled by nose tackles just as much in this game. So maybe the coaching is, is inept. Maybe they're not being trained properly to deal with a bull rush from a nose tackle. I have never seen a team struggle so much with a big man in, inside as USC's centers have in the in the two games that we've seen this season. I thought you were done ranting. I apparently am not, because it's... Ugh. That was a big frustration for me, because I thought going into this game, well, you know, maybe the bright side of Nealon being out, we'll get to see Dietrich handle himself against a big nose tackle this week, and if he can just keep his mis- his, his performance uh, limited on the mistake front, then, then USC will be better off for it. Well, no, guess what? His man, he's getting blown back into Keaton Slovis' face every play, too. So whose fault is that? So when SC plays Utah next week, who's going to score the final touchdown to, to, to win it at the end? Well, we've got we've got a uh, Vimalapai touchdown. Last week we had Brew McCoy and Drake London. So it's got to be Amon Ra or uh, or Tyler Vons. Or the next one's up. I'm going to go with Pro Minogue again. All right. I I think that it, it's got to be. I think it'll be Step. I think it'll be Step. I think it'll end up being step. Is step in there on the final drive in the fourth quarter? I don't think. Well, so. okay. See, that's the problem. Uh, because and, and by the way, I, I'm not necessarily complaining. No, about Vi. That, I think that in Vi that situation, in you have Vi over step. Vi is in there because he's the best pass blocker, and in that and situation, probably you can make the argument the best pass catcher too. Yeah. Uh, as good as I think that that Carr can be and is versatile, most reliable. I, I think. Vi might be the most reliable pass catcher. Well, Vi also has the advantage, unlike Carr, where I think if Carr goes out, defense pays attention to him, where I don't think the defense is sort of honored by quite as much, which works to his favor some of the time. Um, I don't know. Either way. Either way, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter who's on the field for USC. It really doesn't, because the offense is discombobulated. The defense is... I mean, we haven't even talked about the defense, but... How is it, how is it that USC's linebackers are this bad? And also, how is it that Raymond Scott is that much of an improvement over the starter, Palaiinateote? Because, like, Raymond Scott had his issues. He had a terrible play where he just sort of stopped up and allowed a a, a, a little swing pass that should have been bottled up to, to go for, I think, a first down. 
But like Raven Scott in general was a far more effective defender than we've seen from Ian Atete at any point this season, probably last season. So like this is a dude who was a safety, a backup, backup, backup safety up until a few weeks ago. And he comes in and all of a sudden he's the best linebacker USC has. Like, why is that? I mean, to be fair, the, the pedigree. Two-time CAF State champ. He, he is one of your Narvon guys. That's that's right. That's right. I mean, credit to him. Credit to the him dude's for... A winner. Uh, he's a, he's a, clearly just a winner because of that. Yeah, credit to him for stepping up. Credit to Tuli Tupelotu for, for looking good when he came in. Um, credit to, uh, you know... Nick Figueroa, I thought, had another really good game. So, you know, there are guys out there that I that I think are are doing okay, but like in general, it's just it's just very disappointing to see USC let things go the way that they do on defense. Um the other thing that I don't understand, and and they were doing a lot more rotation in this game, but like why is Marlon Tupelotu ever coming off the field? He is so good. He should he should be in a stage now in his career where he never comes off the field because he you can't take him off the field. But they took him off the field constantly in important situations. And no offense to to Stanley Tufo, but he's like fifty pounds lighter than Tufo too. Like it's not fair to have him playing nose tackle. So that still going. I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, Chris Steele could certainly do with not holding I, I every mean, time as <laughs> he has a big play. I got a Chris Steele take. I think Chris Steele is someone who plays very physically, and I think that that is what makes him a good corner. I think that is why he is good. He's very physical. He gets in your shirt a lot uh, if you're a receiver, and he's not going to give up much room, and I think he's a very good corner. But... In a conference like the Pac-12, with refs that call anything in terms of PI, um, we we know from watching million games in this conference, the corners cannot get away with much, right? And that goes for every single team. That's just how it is in the Pac-12. I don't know that that works here. And I think that if you're Chris Steele, it sucks because his brand is being physical. And so part of me is like, well... He needs to be more aware that what is called in the Pac-12 is a lot different than, say, what would have been called in the SEC if he would have stayed at Florida, for instance. I and and he should be aware of that. And maybe you get fewer calls that way. But at the same point, that is what makes him good. That that ability to constantly be physical, um, and be clean uh, when he's not getting called for PI or for holding is what makes him good on every other play. So it's hard to sit there and tell him to, you know, uh, be more mindful of pass interference when I honestly think that that's probably what makes him good in the first place. I mean, maybe, but also at a certain point you have to coach him up to to to, to adjust to what it is that, that yeah. he's facing. There's like, a middle ground there, for sure, yeah. I mean, especially, like, okay, early in a game you get called for holding... Uh, now you know what they're going to call as far as holds are concerned. Sure. You got to adjust on the fly in the game. You got to adjust on the fly in the season. Like it just, but again, it's it's not Chris. Like again, I I don't put that on Chris Steele. I put that on you know who is preparing these guys and and getting them ready. And and if it was a problem last week, then why wasn't 
why is it still a problem this week? Like, something's got to give there. So, I don't know, man. It just, there's so much, there. there's so much that is, that is, it just, it's just frustrating. It's very, very frustrating. All right. Especially because, and I think my frustrating comes from the, the, the biggest thing is that, like, USC gets the win here, and I don't want to be mad that USC got the win here, but, like, it would be so much more useful if USC was 0-2 or in the Penn State position where if you're going to be bad, just just be bad and lose games and let the changes come that need to come. But, like... <sighs> Speaking of bad, though, but uh, you know that I was saying that if SC would just finish off their drives... If they just finish up their drives, maybe this ends up being a Big 12 bad game that ends up where they win 45-30. Um, and I think that's where, if if you win 45-30, you cover the spread and, and, and whatnot, but, like, was it great? No. But did you beat the spread? Did you did you get what you could have gotten out of it? Yeah. And and that's, that, that's the frustrating part, is that we, we've talked about it before. We... It, at least just be Big 12 bad and be entertaining. And this team right now is not that. Like, they need to get to that point before they can actually be, you know, look like the the playoff contender that we said that they could be on paper. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and I... I don't know what else there is more to say about it at this point. So well, let, let's, let, let's end the pod on some... Uh, positive notes. Uh, we'll go back and forth. You mean I won't mention that uh, USC's very lucky to not play Alabama or Notre Dame this year? Oh, well, that goes without saying. Yeah. Uh, let, let's let's go back and forth. We'll each name three positive things to take from this game. Really quick, rapid fire, go. Marlon Tuploto is not a one-off. Uh, Stephen Carr is officially like back-back. Yes. The sarcastic jerk in me wanted to tweet, man, he really should have got in the end zone there if SC wanted to score. But I didn't want to be that type of, you know, ridiculous, snarky person on Twitter all the time. But the snarky would have paid off. It would have paid off because SC did not score because he ended up tripping on that play and didn't get in the end zone. Yeah. And not that I'm blaming him, but I'm like, it was just one of those unfortunate things. So uh, what's your next positive thing here? Drake London is the truth, and he continues to be the truth. And I saw John Wilner say he's the best playmaker in the Pac-12, and I'm inclined to agree. I'm going to say Drake Jackson, back, back. He good. Back from his injury in this game, back from his injury last week. He came up with two sacks, and I thought both sacks were big time at big moments, both uh, on... Uh, he had one on third down uh, in the third quarter when SC needed to prove that they could stop Arizona on third down, and then he had one on that final drive. Two big moments that uh, that he needed. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's your I last uh, positive thing. Uh, I'll go with Amon Ross St. Brown. Had a big game. Seven catches, 113 yards. Uh, made the highlight catch of the day, I thought, with the uh, with the, that, that leaping grab over the middle that he too didn't score on. <laughs> That's why USC didn't get a touchdown. But uh yeah. Yeah, and I am gonna go with uh, the last one being drum roll because I'm thinking about it. 
is it really that hard to find another positive about this game? Um, they, they ran the ball effectively when they went off tackle. Uh, and yeah. you, I thought all three backs looked good. Uh, the other thing, not to spoil the um, the <laughs> the Fallout episode, but talking about our over-unders, um, all three guys had at least 11 touches. Uh, Step, Malapai, <sighs> and Carr. But somebody did not word it as touches. And, oh, it sucks to be you. Yeah, if I had been thinking properly, I would have done touches and uh, I would have gotten that over. Oh, well. Yeah. Hey, you're Drake London over on. Hey, don't don't spoil too many. Okay. Don't don't spoil too many. Okay. Um, (laughs) Save it for the full episode. John Jackson, the third, JJ three with a a 23 yard catch. Really good to see from him. And also we got to see Gary Bryant. Didn't really do much as a as a, a, ca- a pass catcher, but he was out there on the on the on the edge uh, on the outside blocking for Bruce McCoy a couple of times. For a little guy, he showed some stuff there. Looked good to have a number one jersey out there again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's gonna wrap up the, the car cast. Thanks for listening as always. Now is your upper. You've you've heard Alicia rant. Uh, you've heard me rant. Now is the time for you to step up and call us two one three three seven three one eight seven two. Get into the rant line montage that we put into every Fallout episode. Ask us a question. Give us your feedback on the car cast or what have you. Give us the feedback on USC's 34-30 win over Arizona. Have your say. 213-373-1872 is the phone number. Our email address is reignoftroy at fansite.com. Uh, you can also text us 213-373-1872. Uh, Lisa, you got a final word for the car cast? The final word is sigh that's the we're gonna be back next week and do it all over again michael i know but maybe next week's will be just as exciting as the first week when they pull it out with the <laughs> comeback yeah again yeah sure think about the bright side when when, when keaton slovis gets drafted in the nfl you know all those BS stats that you see in the NFL? John Elway had 233 career comeback wins. I I always hated those stats because I'm like, if you're down by three in the fourth quarter, the, like this, we really count this as a comeback. But having said that, Keaton Slovis is going to get drafted, and on draft night they're going to be like, he led 14 comeback drives in the fourth quarter for us, and you're going to be like, <laughs> damn. I've got to take him number one. Uh, and six of those came in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> six hey. consecutive fourth quarter comebacks for Keaton Slovis. Uh, all against double digit uh, underdogs. underdogs. <laughs> but hey. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the kid's got it when, when, when he needs it. So what can you say? Uh, until then, we'll see you in the Fallout episode. See ya. Oh, and we'll see you over on, on Patreon because Alicia will do her um, rewatch episode over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash. Rain of Troy. Uh, We'll talk to you then. See ya. See ya. See ya.